Before we share the Shema together, it is my joy to uh, give you a brief introduction of our guest preacher, Reverend Wendy Holbrook. Wendy comes to us um, as the coordinator of the San Antonio Interfaith Alliance. It is a clergy organization in our city that also seeks to um, join with our city in helping to provide um, housing for all those who are in need. And Wendy came from Kentucky back in 2017, and we're glad she did. Uh, David has uh, given her some office space uh, with us, and we are delighted that she is here on a regular basis and that today we get to hear her bring God's Word to us. So as we prepare our hearts and minds to hear God's Word and to receive that Word that Wendy also has for us this day, let us share together the Shema, which Jesus would have said every day of his life. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Reading from 2 Kings 4, 8 through 17. Now there came a day when Elisha went over to Shunem, where there was a prominent and influential woman, and she persuaded him to eat a meal. Afterward, whenever he passed by, he stopped there for a meal. She said to her husband, Behold, I sense that this is a holy man of God who frequently passes our way. Please, let us make a small, fully walled room upstairs and put a bed there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. Then whenever he comes to visit us, he can turn in there. Now, one day he came there and turned in the upper room and lay down to rest. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Now he said to Gehazi, say to her now, you have gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? Hmm. Would you like to be mentioned to the king or to the captain of the army? And she answered, oh, I live among my own people. No need. Later, Elisha said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is really old. Well, he said, call her. So Gehazi called her in and she came and stood in the doorway Elisha said, at this season next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at that season the next year, just as Elisha had said to her, the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. I would want you to know that I am with you in prayer for your dear pastor, David, who took me in as a stranger. And yet I would want you to know that as I stand before you this morning in blue and white, it has nothing to do with his favorite subject, Duke University. 
I am from the proud state of Kentucky, and I am all about the blue and white of the University of Kentucky, not once, not ever, Duke. Just letting you know, putting it out there. Also note, I'm a Baptist. So just kind of sit back, relax, this could take a while. Actually, Matthew was saying to me earlier, you know, David would say, you have a message, don't worry about the time. I said, you never say that to a visiting Baptist. Never, never. So I will do my best to help us break on with these words from 2 Kings. And I'm a big fan of the Old Testament. The Old Testament speaks to me in a lot of really meaningful ways. And I appreciate that in this particular passage, we're hearing from this Shunammite woman. Yeah. And this visiting prophet, you know, he keeps showing up in her town. And she pays attention and figures out he's got needs and I can meet those needs. Hmm. Interesting. You know, David, very carefully, chose the text, set the sermon title of Housing and Miracles, and then the doctor intervened and said, that's enough, stop. And so I had the great joy of just picking up where he left off. We didn't have any conversation about the text or the title, but you know the great good news about the Word of God? Don't have to. It is the Spirit who speaks to us. And there is no doubt that the Shunammite woman and this visiting prophet still have great things to share with us today. Speaking of visitors, I'm a visitor with you today, but this is a week when most of us are really thinking about company. Either you are preparing for a crowd to descend on your house on Thursday, or maybe you're one of those lucky folks who gets to be somebody else's company come Thanksgiving Day. It's a big deal. It's a big celebration. It's a big coming together. Now, who's going to be around that table on Thursday? Do you expect to see family? Hope so. Friends? Well, that's quite possible. Maybe you're going to be in a space where there'll just be an acquaintance or two. But what if... What if you come to dinner and there's a total stranger that someone's just brought in off the street? Well, you see, that's pretty much what happens with this Shunammite woman. Yeah, Elisha was a prophet and he was a bit of a transient going back and forth. He comes to this little village of Shunam and it was little. It was just kind of over there in the tribal region of Issachar. He's traveling through, and the Shunammite woman, and some translations refer to her as the great Shunammite woman. Great because other translations kind of flesh that out with words like prominent, influential, wealthy. But I really like the term great because of how she chose to use her influence, her wealth, her prominence. And so this visiting prophet is simply going through town, not drawing any particular attention to himself, and he catches the eye of the town's leading hostess. And sure enough, she invites him in. The word is she persuades him to come and eat at her house. Persuades him. 
I think that's an interesting term. It's not a passive sort of, well, you know, we're going to eat. If you want to come, come. No, she lets him know, you need to be at my table. That's a pretty exciting way to, to live, to be on the lookout for who's in need and how you can fill that need. But you know, she was living out the hospitality of her time and her culture, and yet this sort of hospitality, I know that you're more than familiar with a lot of the beauty and ritual and the heritage that we as Christians have from our Jewish brothers and sisters. And this sense of open-handed hospitality is very much at the root of that tradition. In fact, according to the Jewish encyclopedia, and there is such a thing, I looked it up, according to the Jewish encyclopedia, she was practicing textbook hospitality. In fact, when she encountered him, she invites him to come and eat, and then lets him know every time you come through town, you come right back here. This is exactly where you can eat over and over again. But the thing that makes it textbook is she evidently asks no questions. There's no requirement. There's no standard he has to meet. He's just a stranger who needs to eat. And so he's invited to come in, clean up, and enjoy the food. And we know she asked no questions because in verse 9, kind of interesting, right? She's had him in her home many times. And then she says to her husband, hmm, I'm thinking this fella just might be a man of God. Now, isn't that interesting? He's been with them for several meals over a period of time. And yet, they don't really know that much about him. This is part of this classic, open-handed hospitality. Hospitality without question. So, what happens next? Yeah, some interesting things. This whole business of she sees the need and is ready to meet it. So, she approaches her husband and says, you know... I really think he just might be a man of God. Don't know for sure, but I've got an idea. Now, husbands, how do you respond when your wife comes in with that little glint in her eye and she says, I've got an idea? You're smiling, you're nodding. Most of you are looking a little terrified. And I think he just might have. Because, you know... It's a dangerous thing to get in the way of a great woman with a plan. And she's already thought it out, hasn't she? Because what she says to him is, I've been thinking about this. You know, we've got a little space. We've got a little space we could use. He's like, where? Every room in this house is occupied. We we don't have extra. Oh, yeah, we do, she says. We have the roof. We don't have a room up on the roof. You know, all we have to do is build some walls and then we've got a new room. Can you only imagine his response? Seriously. Not only do you drag people in off the street to feed them, now we're going to have to build onto our property to accommodate your projects. She said, that's right. That's exactly what we're going to do. He says, well, you know, if you build a room, you're going to have to do something else. What's he going to do, just sleep on the floor? Oh, no, no, she says. 
We're going to make sure he has a bed and a table and, of course, a chair and a lampstand because he's going to be eating with us so it doesn't matter that there's not a kitchen. Think about this. You hear about these little tiny houses, right? These, these little spaces that you can just kind of pull into your yard and then it's its own contained house. That's what she did. She envisioned a little tiny house up on top of their house. And again, this wise man realized, don't get in the way of a great woman with a plan. And so they did it. They created a space in their home for this visiting prophet because they recognized this was all a matter of acting out their faith. This wasn't just a quirk of personality. This was the instruction of God. Certainly true in Hebrew tradition. That then becomes Judaic Christian tradition. But you know, it is not limited to our faith tradition. Because hospitality is really rooted in faith. The Hindus put it this way. The stranger is God which is kind of a powerful condensation of our own Lord's words. Jesus tells us, when you have done it unto the least of these, my children, you've done it unto me. The stranger is God. And so there's this beautiful recognition, whether the stranger is the neighbor down the street, on the other side of town, or anywhere in the world, that God is in us and with us, and we need to respect that in one another. You see, hospitality is faith in action. It is both an act of faith and a fact of faith. Faith teaches us to welcome the stranger and see that we are all part of something larger than ourselves. Hmm. And so sure enough, she's gone this next step, not only to feed the stranger, but to house the stranger and make him part of her family, so to speak. If we look on down the passage, there is this miracle, right? This miracle that this older couple shall conceive and bear a son. But I'm here to tell you You don't have to look that far in these words to find a miracle. There is the miracle of faith in action happening here. She is acting on what she has been taught and has been steeped in all her life. First, the miracle of paying attention. Paying attention not only to people, but to their needs. What's going on around you? Who's in your community that has need? The miracle of paying attention. But, you know, I'd say there's an even greater miracle that correlates with that. Then acting on the need. That's what she does. She follows up and acts on what she sees as a need and takes care of business. Hmm. The extraordinary thing is that what she did was ordinary faith. But too often we live in a mindset of scarcity. 
Do you know what I mean? That sense that there's never enough, never enough, enough time, enough food, enough resources. And so I've got to be really careful to hold it in close and take care of me and mine. That's the mindset of scarcity. That if I give to you, I will have less for me. The Pharaoh, you remember the Pharaoh? There were lots of them. They were God kings of Egypt. And the Pharaoh mindset was this mindset of scarcity. This whole idea of hoarding up more, more, more grain and livestock and even people. But do you know what happens when you take more and more as a powerful person? You leave less and less for those with less power. That's exactly what he did. He took away from those who didn't have to make sure that he had what he needed and his people came first. That's the mentality of scarcity, which is just the opposite of the faithful woman of Shunammite's mindset, an open-handed hospitality, a word that says, you're welcome here, and there will always be enough because God will provide. The difference, the difference is believing that the God who has taught us to share will continue to provide and create abundance in our lives and in our spirits. So where does this go with this business of housing and miracles and the fact that I represent Interfaith San Antonio Alliance, a group of over 30 clergy who are focusing on this issue of housing? Well, let's think about this for a minute. There's With this scarcity and abundance, it leads to an understanding of what is individual versus maybe public good. Because the American dream of owning a home is typically thought of as an individual investment, something you do for your family. But did you know that secure housing for every citizen is in fact a societal good, something we all benefit from? Because when people are able to eat in a secure home and rest in a secure home, they are better students, employees, and citizens. And as my new friend Natalie Griffith at the Habitat for Humanity of San Antonio says, when we all do well, we all do well. See, there's an essential link between quality of housing and human development. Dr. Megan Sandell, she's up in Boston at Boston University, a fine Methodist institution. And she's director, associate director of the Grow Clinic for Children there at their medical center. And she sees kids with failure to thrive syndrome. You know, that's just kind of a fancy word for malnutrition. She said she really had this aha, eureka moment about the connection between housing and development when she had a little two-year-old that she was seeing, and he really was a little two-year-old. You see, he hadn't outgrown his 12-month-old baby clothes yet. Something was wrong. He was not thriving. He was wasting. He was loved. He was sweet but he just wasn't growing. And so she did what a good doctor would do. 
She prescribed stuff. She prescribed nutritional shakes, medicines, expensive tests, but nothing was helping the little boy grow until, until she learned that his family was in need of stable housing. And then something changed because he suddenly began to thrive and she found out that they had finally gotten off that list that they had been on his whole life, a list waiting for affordable housing. And they were able to move out of an overcrowded family member's apartment where they were just kind of stacked on top of each other in the living room. And now the little boy was able to sleep in his own bed and rest through the whole night. And he was able to sit at a chair at a table and focus on eating instead of constantly being distracted by all the activity in that apartment. The little boy thrived. He grew because what he needed was stable, affordable place to live not something that came from a pharmacy. Because you see, housing, stable, affordable housing, is like a vaccine. It inoculates us. It helps build up our immunity and our resistance for the challenges of life. So we need to be talking about housing and the connection between housing and health and education It's vital because there's a great ripple of benefit when we meet housing needs. When a stable kid goes to school, every kid in that classroom learns better. When a stable employee shows up for work, well, they're paying taxes. And then their employer is not burdened with having to fire and rehire and retrain. And you know what else? In stable neighborhoods, there's a lot less crime. It's a safer place to live. So we have to acknowledge that here, even in San Antonio, we have a growing affordable housing shortage. And we don't want it to grow to the crisis level they're seeing in Los Angeles, where literally there's a tent village of 60,000 living currently, living in tents in L.A. because they've been outpriced in the local housing market. So we need to think about the fact that in San Antonio, the housing rate, the the cost of housing, has been growing at a rate of 5% a year for some years now. But over that period of time and even before that, wages have been pretty flat, pretty stagnant. So there is this growing gap between what people can afford and what's available. So just like the Shunammite woman knew People need a private space. It doesn't have to be elegant. It doesn't have to be big. But they need a private space to thrive. We all need a bed, a table, a chair, and a lampstand. Because it represents our humanity. We all need to be able to rest at night. Knowing that those things are going to be there when we need them. And not living under the constant threat of eviction. And that chronic insecurity, that's the difference that happened for the little boy. That's the difference for all of us. So this morning, I want you to know I bring you greetings from your interfaith brothers and sisters across San Antonio, representing 30 
Christian, Muslim, Sikh, Jewish congregations. Because these clergy, just like David and Dinah, are all aligning our efforts toward our city's common good. And I want to thank you, Alamo Heights United Methodist Church, for hosting, being a host with us in this group of congregations in this long road toward justice. An act of charity is a beautiful thing, but it's temporary. We're about the business of changing enough of our culture that we can experience this sense of abundance among us and achieve justice. The issue of affordable housing is more than just a quick fix. And so your pastors are going to be leading in this here in your congregation in helping you understand what it means to continue this open-hearted hospitality that is very much the root of your, your belief system and who you are and ways to exercise that in this issue of housing. And so I ask, will we as people of faith practice this sort of hospitality of the Shunammite woman? Or will we fretfully close our hands tightly around our own sense of security with the risk of missing the blessing that when we all do better, we all do better? <laughs>